Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I just, before we get to Walter Shupi, I just want to correct my producer, Melissa Chessman. She, of course, found it for us, but it's been posted on ctcapitalreport.com which is a fabulous go-to website, a news aggregation site. Think of it like the drudge of Connecticut in the sense that it's headlines and you just click on the headline and you can see what's going on. Tom Dutchick, our good friend on the show, is uh, the person who founded ctcapitalreport.com and is the editor of it. And he found the article. Go on ctcapitalreport.com. I didn't have a chance. It's such an in-depth, amazing article. You're going to be, it's wrapped, wrapped attention. You're going to want to read every line about the relationship between uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and how it began and started and ends in a friendship between him and a rabbi who founded this uh, Shabbat dinner place uh, this this dinner group and Cory Booker and all these other influential people were some of the founding members and how it goes on to have philosophical discussions. There's nothing nefarious about it at all, but it is nonetheless fascinating to read. 203-333-9422. Joining us now is Walter Shupi, who we have had on our show before, and I was so impressed with this project that Walter has embar- embarked upon to interview as many uh veterans as he can. And and he's done an extraordinary job of collecting these stories uh, so that we, you and I, can, can remember and understand and empathize with and frankly appreciate the sacrifices that our veterans have done for us. The project is called Faces of Freedom. It began in July of 2019. And Walter Shupi joins us again right now. He's a photographer as well as a writer. Walter, welcome back to the show. Hi. Oh, good morning, Lisa. How are you? I'm so happy to have you here today. So Faces of Freedom, uh, you sent me bios of three extraordinary veterans. We're not going to get a chance to get into all of them today, Walter, but I wanted to hear a little bit about the life of George. Tell us a little bit about George. Uh, George Shaw? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a he's a you know he's a great guy. He's one of my my new friends now, <laughs> as oh. all of these guys have become. Um, 
So he just turned 101 years old in October. So he was born in the Bronx in, in 1922, and he spent most of his childhood there. And so he, he came of age during the, the Great Depression, and um, he, his, uh, his parents um, uh, fell on hard times, and so they were tight for money when, <clears throat> when, when he was growing up. But he spent a lot of time uh, working. He was a, a busboy at... Uh, at Schraff's restaurant in Manhattan, and turns out one of the guys he worked with was uh, was Kirk Douglas. Really? Um, Who, by the way, yeah. was not Kirk Douglas then? Wasn't his name like Izzy Katzenberg or something like that? What was his name? Something very different than Kirk Douglas. I remember that. I think uh, it was Izzy something. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, George graduated from uh, DeWitt Clinton High School in, in 1940, and he enrolled in LIU in the pre-med program. But the, uh, the the draft was uh, was instituted in October of that year. Uh, he was able to um, defer this, his start date in the military, and then he finished his four-year degree in about two and a half years. Um, and uh, so then he, when he was, uh, um, he then went into the military, and uh, they uh, they gave him the uh, gave they gave him the option at one point. Um, because his mother was very, very sick, and they gave him the option to um, to stay in New York and, and take some sort of a position there, and he could help care for his mother. But uh, he told me that he and his mother both decided that he, he needed to go and serve his country, so he wow. he went. He um, uh, because he had he had uh, taken pre med classes in in college, uh, he was uh, made a medic. <clears throat> So this is a guy who was a brilliant guy. He graduates college in two and a half years instead of four. And instead of becoming a doctor, then he decides he'll be a medic in the army. Okay. Yep. Right. And then the other, I mean, the other thing to keep in mind too, is that uh, uh, George is Jewish and he had uh, relatives over in Latvia at the time. And, um, you know, initially Latvia was uh, controlled by the Soviets who were, were, um, you know, implementing their own reign of terror there. And, and they, uh, they found out that a couple of their relatives, you know, had been killed. So, you know, he knew he knew what was waiting for him over there, but he went anyway. And um, so, you, you know, you have to, you really have to think about that, what somebody, you know, what goes through somebody's mind when they make that decision. Um, but, he, you know, he, he went through training and they, uh, they sent him over to uh, Southampton and, uh, they they took his uh, unit, uh, which was the 110th evacuation hospital uh, group, and uh, they sent them over to uh, to Utah Beach. They got there in August, which was you know well after the uh, the initial invasion. Um, but uh, you know they waited there for about six weeks, collected all of their supplies, and then they uh, they headed off. Uh, uh, through uh, through France, following uh, Patton's army the entire way, and uh, he's, you know George said it was a real challenge trying to to keep up with it all because uh, Patton really had his foot on the gas and pu- pushed them really hard, um, and so you know they had to keep pace with that and keep uh, you know take care of a, a lot of wounded wounded guys. Um, his, his first uh, taste of combat was in September of that year at the Battle of Metz. Um, which before starting this project I had never heard of, but the, the, the Battle of Metz was a was a major battle, very, very bloody on both sides. Um, and the uh, the he went from there 
uh, and they moved uh, through the Ardennes forest, and they got there just as the uh, the, the Battle of the Bulge started. And um, <clears throat> you know, initially, um, the Germans had some success, and uh, um, one of their one of their top guys, von Rundstedt, had broken through the um, the American lines. And George recalled uh, talking to uh, uh, these two uh, two people in Luxembourg. They were similar to the French underground. And they told them that there's nothing between you and the enemy except cooks with carbines. So George was thinking this is going to this could be problematic for him because, uh, you know, not only would it be terrible to be taken a prisoner, but, it, you know, for a Jewish guy to be taken prisoner by the Nazis, that was, was going to be particularly bad. And uh I said to him, I said, did you worry? And he said, no, I didn't have time to worry. He said, I was certainly concerned, but I was, you know, I was young and thought I was invincible. And he said, I, I did wonder what would happen if I was captured, but you just went about doing what you were doing. And, um, you know, luckily, uh, Von Rundstedt made a turn and it, it didn't come towards them. And uh, so he, he, he wasn't captured. Um you know, he he, uh, he he followed Patton's army, and I, I asked him if he had any experience with the German POWs, and he he said that uh, uh, not only was he a medic, but he spoke German, so he ended up being the guy who treated a lot of these uh, German POWs. And I said, "What was that like?" He said, "Well, I just did my job. Um, I treated them as respectfully as I treated my own guys, and." I took care of them just like I took care of my own guys to the extent that the medical supplies allowed. Yeah, but you know, Um, Walter, in your write-up, you said that, George, this is very interesting. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. That George asked some of the wounded Germans to help take care of their own comrades, and they refused, they resisted until he yelled at them. Yeah, yeah. He said the only thing they seemed to understand was uh, firm orders. And when he did yell at them, they instantly jumped up and they, they responded to the orders. And um, and then he said that at the end of the war, um, after the, the Germans had officially surrendered, um, one day one of the, the German Luftwaffe came flying overhead. Um, came down really low, and they strafed the, the 110th evacuation hospital despite having, you know, medical markings on it. Wow. Um, fortunately, the Americans were able to uh, to shoot the plane down, so they went out searching for him. They got him. They brought him back, and uh, he was very, uh, very badly injured. And uh, 
but George was one of the guys who was uh, responsible for taking care of him. And um, they they put, you know, George said, told me that he said, uh, we put him in a full body cast. And after he came out of his anesthesia, I asked him, uh, uh, which is where is your pain? And he said, despite the guy being flat on his back, he tried to spit in my face. And he, he said that, uh, you know, if the, if that guy had been in his 30s or 40s, that wouldn't have happened. The, the, the older guys were just thrilled and relieved to be uh, uh, in allied hands rather than Russian hands. But he said this guy was much, much younger, and he was probably a recent product of the Hitler youth. Um, <clears throat> so and then after the, the war ended, he was part of the, uh, the occupational force for a while. Um, they came back uh, to the United States and... <clears throat> And he had a he had a terrific career. Um, when he came back, he decided he wasn't going to pursue a career in medicine. He said, I, "I came to the belief that I had to make a difference in the world somehow, and do something that would improve relationships among nations." So uh, that's how he evolved from uh, pre-med to uh, he became an, an international um, uh, management consultant. <clears throat> and he he uh, went to Columbia, got his uh, his uh, master's degree there, and he worked for. Uh, uh, a bunch of different um, uh, <clears throat> American and international agencies working with uh, people in government and <clears throat> executives and, and business. And he had a, he had a great career. And, and along the way, you know, like so many of these guys, um, you know, he, he felt that he still needed to give back because he was a lucky guy. <clears throat> and um, he was living in Manhattan uh, up on Riverside Drive and um, there's the uh, the soldiers and sailors memorial up there. Yeah, it's there been is. around for beautiful. Yeah, been around for a long, long time. But it had, yeah. you know, back in the in the uh, you know in the, in the 70s, it had fallen into disrepair. So, um, you know, he he got in contact with uh, the Manhattan Borough President, <clears throat> whose husband was also a veteran, and they uh, they decided to collaborate. And, create an organization to preserve the Soldiers and Sailors Monument. And so after a lot of hard work and after, you know, his time uh, on that organization ended because he eventually he moved to uh, to North Carolina, um, they raised a lot of money and they've, uh, um, you know, rehabbed the uh, the monument, which is great because it is, uh, it is a really great thing, a really great monument. Like that's falling into disrepair. Wow! So he was pretty, pretty incredible guy. Walter Shupi, th- this is really incredible. His name was George Shaw, C H A L L, and he's a hundred and one years old. And how did you find him yourself, Walter? How'd you find him? Oh, you know, it, uh, it was really quite by accident. <clears throat> I had been introduced to a, a woman who served in um, Iraq, down in North Carolina. And so I was just going to go and interview her, and she's just one of these gregarious people who's a connector and very, very uh, helpful. And she put me in contact with seven other people to interview. And when I was at somebody's house, they they said, uh, you know, what are you what are you doing tonight after you leave here? I said, I'm going to go back to the hotel and start writing up your interview. He said, and the woman said, well, my friend is married to uh, to a fellow who was in uh, World War Two. And he saw a lot of uh, action, and uh, she said he'd like to talk to you. Would you like to go? And I said sure. And then she said, okay. Well, they want you to come for dinner. And I said, 
well, that would be great. It's a big, big treat. I won't have to eat a hamburger tonight. And uh, so I went over to uh, went over to his house and met him and his wife. And it was like finding two long lost friends. I, you know, I was there for probably close to four hours. Oh my and, goodness! Uh, <clears throat> and I still haven't completed his write up yet because there's just so much information. I mean, some, but you know, Walter, I'm looking, and the project is called Faces of Freedom. And I'm looking at the the photograph that presumably you took of him in a plaid shirt. With this very alive, vital face, he looks much younger than 101 because he has such a clear cognitive vitality, and he looks like such a friendly guy. He looks like such a nice man. He is. He's a really friendly guy. Um, he's sharp as a tack, and uh, you know, there's no grass growing under his feet. He belongs to all kinds of men's clubs down there and <clears throat> that meet and talk about current events and other things that he's interested in. So he's a, you know, everybody should pat him yourself after him. I just, I just think it's really great, Walter. I want to thank you. You live right here in Connecticut. You're becoming an encyclopedia yourself of these amazing stories. And, you know, sometimes the veterans will talk about it and sometimes they won't, but you have a very nice way of eliciting their stories. And I'm so grateful that you're bringing them to our attention. Well, I'm, I'm I'm glad you let me come on and uh, and talk about them, particularly this time of year when when they all deserve to be recognized for, you know, <clears throat> all the sacrifices that they made and all that they endured, so that the rest of us didn't have to. That's right, and he's one of the few people left from what has been called the greatest generation. Think about it: his mother has a stroke, and instead of going home to be with his mother, he and his mother decide that he should put his life at risk to go fight for this great country. You know, when you think about sacrifice, right, and you think about risk, uh, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's such an admirable mindset to get into these people's heads because if it were not for their sacrifices, we wouldn't have the country that we have today. Full stop. We would not. Um, in total, I think I've talked to... Um... 113 or, or 114 guys and gals, not a bad egg in the bunch. They're all filled with gratitude. They're all filled with humility. You know, at the end of it, you know, a lot of these guys from World War II, I, I you know, the, the last thing I say to them is, you know, thank you very much for doing this and, and thank you for saving the world. And they'll all say, I just did my job. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, thank you, Walter, for, for taking on this project. It's beautiful, um, and we really appreciate you coming on the show. You'll, you'll come back on. I know, you've been, I know I've been watching and reading some of your biographies of Navy SEALs and whatnot, but uh, I want to thank you for coming on today to talk about Veterans Day. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Great to be here. Pleasure. Walter Shupi on the Lisa Wexler Show. The project is called Faces of Freedom, and we'll post this podcast in case you missed a part of it. You may want to hear about the life of, jo of George Shaw and um, what he went through. It's pretty inspiring. We'll be right back. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details thank you for listening if you liked what you heard please share it with your friends and as always feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com 